0: Support for this podcast is brought to you by Deer Texas Leases. Deer Texas Leases, connecting hunters from all over the world with landowners in Texas looking to earn passive income through land leasing. For more, visit www.deertexasleases.com. You're listening to How to Make
1: Your Land Work for You. <coughs>
2: Welcome to How to Make Your Land Work for You, brought to you by Dear Texas Leases. I'm your host, Greg Phillips, and I'm a corporate transactional lawyer living in Houston, Texas. However, my roots growing up, my mother and father from East Texas, a small town called Grapland, Texas, and I spent most of my youth in Grapland. And now, as I've gotten older, I've reconnected with my rural roots, and my passion is working with rural America, rural landowners, on how to make their land work for them to generate income, to generate generational wealth from generation after generation after generation.
0: My name is Brandon Leonard. Some would say I'm a city slicker from Houston, Texas. I'm a criminal defense lawyer by day and a city dweller trying to reconnect with my East Texas roots by night. Our mission for this podcast is really to have a conversation and talk about the benefits of rural land ownership. We hope that these conversations will encourage, empower, and educate landowners, especially in rural America, so that they use their land as a wealth-building tool for themselves as well as future generations. This is our first attempt at a podcast, but we're going to give it a shot, really because it's a topic that both Greg and I are passionate about, And we think that these are conversations that will hopefully be beneficial to all of you. Immediately following the Civil War, at its height, Black land ownership was impressive. Between the years of 1865 and 1920, formerly enslaved Black Americans and their heirs had amassed between 14 and 16 million acres of land, primarily in the South mostly used for farming. In 1920, 925,000 African-American farms represented 14% of the farms in America. Sadly, since that time, those numbers have dwindled drastically. By 1997, fewer than 20,000 black Americans owned less than 2 million acres of land. This has come as a result of a number of factors, including racism, lack of access to resources, including financing, uh, lack of access to government programs and legal services, and lack of estate planning. And more importantly, a lack of interest as more families have migrated to the cities. Throughout the years, however, Several organizations have taken up the cause and attempted to address the crisis of land loss head on. One such organization is Landowners Association of Texas, LAT. Founded in 1978, LAT has the primary goal of reducing the alarming rate of which historically underutilized landowners are losing and have lost their land. LAT is a non-for-profit organization in Texas that works with rural landowners in order to help them maintain land, acquire land, and develop that land in a way that is profitable and beneficial to its owners. In fact, the mission of LAT is a large part of what inspired and fueled the creation of Deer Texas leases, whose goal is to connect hunters and landowners We sat down with Barbara Lang, the executive director Director of Landowners Association of Texas, to talk about her story and what has become her passion, empowering landowners through her work at LAT.
2: Today is a special show, and it's special for a lot of reasons. Uh, The first reason is, is this is our first interview on this podcast. As we explained in our introductory podcast, We hope to bring in guests from time to time, and today we have our first guest. And it's an extra special guest because it's a wonderful way to kick things off. Today we have Barbara Lang as a guest, otherwise known as Babs. Babs is a friend. She's a colleague that I've known for over five years. She's the executive director of the Landowners Association of Texas. We've worked together on a number of projects throughout the years. She's a trailblazer and really one of the key figures and advocates for landowners' rights, particularly when it comes to rural America and and how rural American landowners can put that land to work to generate income and generate wealth. So Babs, we want to thank you for being on the show today, and uh, it's it's just great having you on. So thank you for coming on.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure.
2: So Babs, if if I remember correctly... you told me that your family has deep roots in the area of of Liberty and Ames uh, in Southeast Texas. And do you mind just telling us a little bit about your family history?
1: Okay. Uh, Currently, I I, uh, have a farm, or I will just say a beautiful rural land uh, that I live on and work on. And I'm living on a property that was purchased by my grandparents in 1893. This land stayed in my family continuously uh, from 1893 up until today. Wow. uh, My grandparents owned the land. They bought the land uh, and kept the land. And then my grandmother gave the land to her children. She had one son who walked on water, and that was my father. Uh, and so he was the ruler of the roof for, after his father passed, for uh, seven sisters. And uh, none of them were uh, interested in this particular land because it's a wetland. And uh, it gives you many, many, many headaches as you try to develop. Anyway, my father uh, and mom lived here until I was four years old. And uh, my father inherited the land from his mom. And his sisters were able to have a family meeting, where we talk about that a lot in, in the relationship that I have with you. And in the family meeting, they sold their property and their rights. All of that went to my father. So that this land stayed in my family until uh, my father passed. And 30 years after he was gone, my mother divided the land again, and we had a... Uh, one brother and three sisters this time and my brother uh wanted to develop this land so so bad however uh his wife couldn't stand being in a rural area therefore sounds like my family (laughs) yeah and when you say about that about your wife i can relate (laughs) very easily but anyway in that particular family meeting Uh, of my generation, my sisters, two of them, and my brother decided that my husband and I were the only two crazy people, crazy enough to want to come to this area. So then we uh, became heirs and were able to purchase the land from my family. And now here we are. Well, here I am. I've since lost my husband since that time but the land has been in our family since 1893 consistently it's been grad meat land and that's my maiden
2: name oh wow yeah and i remember you telling me that you guys had lived in a a a big suburb of houston in kingwood texas and and i we talked about your background that you have an impressive background working in corporate america and you know to move from corporate America and the suburbs of Houston to move back to rural America, back to your roots, you know, that, that's amazing. I mean, what, what caused you to do that? I mean, what caused you and your husband to make such a big move?
1: Well, my, my husband, uh, no brag, just fact, his, his major, major, major thing was a commitment to me and a commitment to each other. And I also had a brother who was a builder who wanted to come here, and he was like my husband's brother. I mean, they just truly worshiped him. We owned a real estate company, and my brother was a builder, and my husband and I handled the business side of the real estate company. We did urban, rene- uh, rural, renewal projects, apartments, and churches, and even built the health. Uh, health center on Prairie View and campus and was involved in building the very first apartment complex uh, for students on Prairie View's campus. Well, between me and my brother and my father uh, and the dream we had for this land, uh, I leaned on Chuck's commitment to me and to my family. He worshiped my father. And we moved from uh, Kingwood to Raywood in order to be able to develop a property that we call the Langtree Retreat and Eco Center. My brother was a builder, so we built a facility to accommodate the retreat center. And my husband and I were both golfers. So I was able to convince him that he could have his own little baby mini golf course if we moved out to 100 acres of land, well, point, 98.2 acres of land. And so we did. And uh, we've, en- we've enjoyed every minute of the development that we've had to go through. Some, some very, very difficult kinds of things, as you know, Greg, That you have to go through when you're in rural communities with no plumbing, no sewage, no electricity, no water. None of those kinds of things. If I had known that it was cheaper to live in Kingwood than Raywood, I probably would not have moved to uh, Raywood. I'm, I'm glad I didn't know that. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so that's how I convinced him by, by telling him that he, 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 could, uh, he could have a little mini golf course wow. um, right out here in Raywood. We also couldn't afford the luxury of looking at land on the Guadalupe, and land uh, in the hill country in Austin and so since we recognize that we own this land rather than having to buy land, it, it was a pretty easy decision.
2: That, that sounds to me, it's it's like a, a, a nice, warm love story interwoven into a story about land ownership. So that, that thank you for sharing that with us. And Brandon, why don't I turn yeah. it over to you? And you talk to Babs about yeah, LAT. Yeah. Sure, yeah, Babs, and it seems like you've,
0: just got um, a ton of wonderful experiences and you said a number of different things that uh, that I found interesting you know Greg and I we're uh, starting Deer Texas leases with the mission of connecting landowners and hunters hunters that are looking for places uh, to, to, to hunt and one of the things that we're passionate about is you know creating opportunities for land and it it seems like that's a big part of your life's mission and your mission with LAT. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what LAT, Landowners Association is and and how you became involved in it.
1: Okay, Landowners Association goes back, has roots all the way back to uh, a land-grant institution 1890 school, which is the School of Agriculture at Purview AM University. Uh, there was a guy who was an extension agent uh, over 40 years ago, whose name uh, was whose whose name was uh, synonymous with agriculture in um houston texas he was mm-hmm. ag agent in houston his name was shaw and then there was another guy by the name of um Plummer, who was an attorney and they became motivated to look at uh what rudolph klein another one of our founders had been involved with with a young woman by the name of Sinfonia Thompson. Sinfonia was a state legislator and she was very very concerned about how much land from rural communities where Uh African Americans, black people lived uh, that wound up on the courthouse steps and they took that passion that she had and the communication she had back and forth around the fact that Black people were losing their land. It was un- unbelievable, uh, so much so that uh, they became motivated to start the Black Landowners Association. And the mission of that association was to do reduce the poverty experienced by minority landowners by providing support for programs that simulates and fosters and develops the implementation, the of re, uh, reta- projects that we re, retain, retain and acquire and develop land, and that remained the the, the uh, mission from 1978 until today. This group formed uh, a board of directors and they formed a relationship with Purview a and University. We call ourselves science-based. Now, in order to be science-based, you got to know something about science, right? Well, I just told you about a lawyer and told you about, Greg, what are you, are you a scientist or no? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you're a scientist. play one on TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you play one on TV. But Purview A M and University, did and continues until today to deal with the scientific approach and to work with us in constantly being involved with natural resource conservation fsa rural development usda and all of agencies that are subsets of activities that usda are involved with and they do all the science-based and all of the information related to agriculture. We, the lay people who own the land, who are on the board, and who are involved with LAT, deal with the actual hands-on of what it is that we uh, can do with the land. I like to say that we want to acquire it, we want to retain it, and we want to make sense C-E-N-T-S Absolutely. for uh, the ownership of the land and so we have a whole cadre of opportunities and I'm so excited about the lease that that uh you are introducing Brendan because between you and Greg that's another avenue that is very very new uh to us as a people I visited with a man in Temple, Texas uh, who, was a national, uh, who was a conservationist with NRCS on a very, very high level. And I visited with him alone with Ed Klein, one of our previous uh, presidents of LAT. And that man harped on me and harped on Ed over and over that we had to do something about uh, looking at recreational opportunities, not just uh, growing vegetables, which is fantastic, we want to do that. Growing hay, raising cattle, raising trees. And one of the greatest pieces that he talked about in recreational uh, uh, activities was hunting. Oh, yes. and what you can do and how profitable that can be. Uh, Attorney Plummer, who was one of the founders, had two sons, they were Matthew Plummer, uh, and Matthew and his brother went into the hunting leasing business in Egypt, Texas. And they were tremendous advocates, tremendous advocates for that. And it was one of the very first hunting lodges that my husband and I visited. Yes, I did go hunting, Greg. What did you (laughs) do? I read a lot of books in the the stand. I mean, you can do a lot of things when you go hunting. Yes, you can. My husband, Hunt, and I read books, but I'm very excited about not only uh, growing plants and vegetables and working with restaurateurs and working dealing with cattle and co-ops and uh, dealing with forestry, but I'm also very, very excited that our new president, who is John Jacobs, uh, who happens to be in forestry, Who happens to have had extensive experience with cattle? Who happens to be dealing with uh, wild hogs? Who happens to deal to be to have dealt with uh, growing hay? And so he, uh, kind of like you, Greg, mm-hmm. covers. The whole gamut, well, not the whole gamut, but a large, large portion of what it is that you can do with your land. Recreational opportunities, uh, I, too, am in the recreational business on a personal side. That's what Chuck and I did as, as we came to develop Langtree Retreat and Eco Center. But LAT is... A organization. I sit on the board, but I am the executive director, have been involved with LAT, coached and coaxed by another famous lawyer from here in Houston, who has now left us as well. His name was Al Henry, and uh, Al Henry and his brothers and sisters owned land up at Tyler, Texas. So we formed LAT in Houston, and then we extended this opportunity to other counties throughout the state of Texas, and we formed chapters of LAT. The board of directors facilitates all types of programs that that I can share with you uh, related to educating, and and opportunities uh, for the development of the land. Al Henry recruited me uh, to become involved with LAT uh, about 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago. And I came and I stayed. Uh, I I guess I have a a track record with longevity. I stayed with, with the United Way family and the Corporate America family, for 30 years, I stayed in, I lived in Kingwood 32 years, and now I'm going on to over 20 years here, uh, here in Raywood, and my involvement with LAT is about 25 years. I guess uh-huh. if you could see me, you would know that my hair is not black. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just means you, you have a lot of great experience. Wisdom, <laughs> that's wisdom, like yes.
1: <laughs> well, I right. do have a lot of gray hair as well.
0: <laughs> Babs, you said something interesting that I want to take you back to. You talked about, um, you know, the reason that LAT was formed and started. You talked about this issue of land loss. Uh, what, what were some of the reasons why folks who are losing their land? What were some of the reasons then, and what are some of the reasons now?
1: That's a, a very, uh, complex question. Number one, first and foremost, the appreciation that my dad had for land is not a prevailing kind of thing with lots of people who left the South and moved away and had very bad experiences uh, related to growing up in the South and this kind of thing. They never want to come back. They never saw the value of the the monetary uh, uh, opportunities that only owning land could have. Uh, I can remember that how I went to college. My father raised cattle. And for every A that I made in high school, I got uh, money to take that A, and my dad would give me a calf. And the, I didn't get the calf, however, but when he took it to Fort Houston, that money went into a fund to pay for my college education. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that he saw. But we had a lot of people leaving the South. I had an opportunity to work with senior citizens extensively uh, with things that I did in in gerontology. And I used to preach and pray to them that they would capitalize on looking at the fact that their land, the taxes hadn't been paid on their land. Mm -hmm. I looked at the fact that they did nothing to encourage their children or grandchildren to be able to work the land. It appears that many, many people in the big city of Houston had grown up in East Texas, and a farm to them was walking without shoes in mud, and the mud coming up through your toes. And they never wanted ever to have that experience again. I attempted to get them to do crafts like embroidering, or quilting, or things that co had had been successful in doing in getting product to go from the farm to to even human markets for for uh, generations, not by us but by other people. They wanted nothing to do with it. That land wound up on the courthouse steps. The other major major problem uh, that we have experienced, both Gregg and I, is the fact that families, African-American families, as uh, other families, uh, are not unique. We have a hard time coming together and having family meetings, and the people in the family agreeing to uh, either form an LLC or agreeing to sell out to one particular family member who's interested in doing things, I've even had situations where in a family meeting, uh, we, we, we've had children who may or may not have been in the original family who say they're gonna get a DNA if, they, if it says that that's their father and that's, or that's their mother. And you always have that one individual who's gonna yeah. stand out and who's gonna say no. Uh, I think, Brendan, you may know of a family that I'm working with now with yeah, exactly. 92 individuals in the family, yeah. and we're doing a project uh, supported by NRCS, Natural Resource Conservation, to see if we can come up with a playbook on simple things like how do you have a family meeting? Uh, that That's the major kind I hope I'm going to answer your question. No, but you that, have, you have,
0: and and, and and Babs, I want to talk about some of the solutions to the issue of land loss in just a second, but mm-hmm. um before that, why don't you tell me a little bit about how LAT is structured? I know you talked about, um you know, the different chapters throughout the uh, state of Texas, but tell me how is it structured? Who's the president? How, how are the chapters?
1: Because uh, we have... uh we have uh, a board and the board president we we consider ourselves a state we're chartered as the state board and we're chartered with the with the state of texas and uh we have an irs exemption uh so we're 501 c3 this board is responsible for developing opportunities where on a local level counties can have a a president of a chapter and that president is responsible along with his or her board to recruit and to get landowners involved to take advantage of the services that the board creates the board is responsible for fund development The board is responsible for educational development. The board is responsible for uh, dealing with opportunities that relate to economic development for the chapters. Each chapter runs their operations to meet the geographic needs. For instance, if we have a a chapter going into Shreveport in Marion County, they have so many beautiful lakes, and they have so, many, so much forestry, it is unbelievable. I belong personally to a chapter in Raywood or Liberty County, which is a wetland. I mean, okay. the Shafalaya River uh, basin has nothing on, on the place where I am.
0: Well, I is there a uh, LAT chapter in every county in Texas? or No.
1: No, we have nine chapters, okay. uh, and some counties, for instance, Liberty County, includes Jefferson County, Liberty County, and um, Chambers County. There are counties where there is, uh, there are chapters where there is more than one county. Okay. We, our geographic area uh, stretches from Dallas, uh, to Victoria, Texas, and all along the Gulf Coast, uh, it's and, and up our region. yes, yes, and and it has personality as well. We have a chapter in Angleton, Texas, that has Brazoria County, and uh, parts. It goes all the way up to uh, Bay City, and uh, if the chapter feels that it can meet the needs of the individual in that particular area, then that's what they do. Now remember, African-Americans do not populate on a very, very intense level, all counties, okay? You have counties like Liberty County where you have a large uh, African-American population, but you have like, uh, bay city where there really isn't that many individuals who are from the african-american uh family or uh, community so we combine those it depends upon the chapter president i'm glad you're asking me that question because we're in the middle of a campaign right now okay. a membership campaign uh
2: we need to get brandon to become a member brandon, brandon? <laughs>
1: Uh I have a, I have information that I will send you immediately. Okay. okay. So that's, a, that's a good
0: segue. So for our listeners out there, um, what are, what are talk about some of the benefits of becoming a LAT member? Uh, why why do folks need to
1: join? Okay, let me talk about some programs that we have that uh, are funded right now. This very minute, uh, we have. Uh, a program that's funded by nrcs where we're going to be doing uh education of women landowners and we're going to be talking about everything from uh business plan uh before the business plan demographics and and feasibility studies and trying to flush out what it is that they like doing and seeing if we can't bring to the table uh, opportunities for them to develop their particular land. And so we will be doing uh, a women's entrepreneurial training program. Uh, Another program that we're doing, of course, we've talked about it just a little bit, and that, of course, is that whole recreational piece, uh, uh, a part of the recreational piece, where we're going to take that hunting industry and we're going to make available to landowners an opportunity for them to be able to benefit and to act to put their land out and make it available. Greg, if you if you uh, elaborate on that. I'm sure you will at another program. Uh, another. You uh, are talking interview. about the,
2: the Dear Texas Leases, our program, yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, and I'm extremely excited about that because there's so many people who have federal land and they don't know how to do, how to get access to resources. So not planting or not growing and that kind of thing. But in a hunting kind of relationship, ideally uh, you can do something with that land and uh, you can get monetary benefit from that. So that's a second program. We also have a legacy program where we're dealing with uh, clearing titles uh, of land. We're dealing with uh, wills we're, we're dealing with creating uh, a legacy plan we're dealing with legal aspects and educating uh where we will have the the tax appraisals office and the we will have Individuals, attorneys who are really into real estate as well as relatives who are into real estate to expose individuals to what it is they can do with their land and then teach on how do you develop uh, a plan for going into business. There is nothing you can think of doing with land that USDA can't tell you. Step by step by step by step, other than how do you access it, maintain it, and make it make money. Mm-hmm. USDA ain't going to tell you how to write the business plan or walk you through that process.
2: And that's but where LAT Anything steps you in.
1: want to know about the land, yeah. it's already there. And and the university will help us with some of those workshops. So, what do you what do you get? I'm glad you asked that question because often when I go out on the trail to the different chapters and everything, one of the first questions asked, well, what do I get for being a member? You get education. You get ideas. You get to talk to. Uh, Greg, you get to talk to yourself about hunting. You get to talk to Barbara Lang about a Langtree retreat and eco-center. And how do you start a business where where we're dealing with tiny houses uh, as affordable housing for homeless veterans. Uh, We're dealing with the whole mission of what do you do to deal with individuals who've almost been thrown away and nobody's paying uh, any attention to them. And we're creating peer-to-peer counseling for these individuals. We're creating opportunities to teach young people, young people, what it is means to volunteer. And in the process of teaching them out to volunteer, they will become exposed to co-ops. Here at Tree, we have goats. These goats come from schools whose kids can't uh, uh, sell their goats at, at shows and that kind of thing. Well, we recycle that kind of thing. And then we have kids who are exposed to things like meat goats, dairy goats. Uh, we even deal with the hair and the fur, that kind of thing. What do you get from it? You get from being an LAT member three things. The first thing you get is a 40-plus year track record. I just got off the phone with uh, the, head, uh, the head conservationist in Harris County who was saying to me that uh, we have three NRCS grants uh, that's going to be funded. One is on rain harvesting. One is on high tunnel farming. Uh, the other is on uh, urban uh, farming or urban vegetable production and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. I guess you can gather that I'm pretty excited and enthusiastic about, about doing, uh, being a member of Landowners Association.
0: Absolutely, should be. Sounds like there are a lot of great programs.
1: Absolutely.
2: So, Brandon, you got to fill out that application right after this podcast.
1: <laughs> I'll be on your case, Brandon. Immediately, immediately.
2: I'm a member, Brandon. I'm already. I'm already signed up. I'm in.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, count me in as well. <laughs> All right.
0: Okay.
2: No, this is great. Uh, I mean, Babs, you've given us some great information. You've, uh, I even appreciate you talking about Langtree and some of the wonderful things you're doing there. I mean, you, I've been there, and it's a lovely place you have. And I, I advise anyone to to contact Babs and and just go to Langtree Resorts because she does a great job uh, there as well. Um, and, and, and Babs, we'll close it out. I mean, we we, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. I mean, you've you provided a wealth of knowledge and your experience in this, this critical area of, of putting rural landowners land to use to generate family wealth, to, like you said, to generate cents C E N T S and to save that land with, with good estate planning practices and finding ways to generate programs is I mean it's just great information and we, we just thank you for for coming on the show today and, and for more information on LAT. You can visit the LAT website at www.latexas.org, I'm sorry, www.latexas.org. Babs, thanks again. Uh, like I said, you're Thank a, you a, a friend of much. the show. It's been and, a pleasure. Yeah, this has been great. And, uh, and, and we're going to have you on again sometime. This isn't the last time you're going to hear from, from Barbara Lang. So thanks again.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. <laughs>